It is a Reaction Monday. Some crazy things have happened in the past uh, 24 hours in the world of football. Uh, but feel free, whatever it is that you want to react to and react about, tonight is the night. Uh, we're going to make an hour and a half uh, seem like seven hours. And that is how much uh, we are going to be trying to squeeze into the show here tonight. And there seems to be that new league, though, that is on the horizon in Europe. Uh, some of the world's uh, top teams uh, are heading and leading a break away. Ever heard of that? A breakaway from the UEFA Champions League. Everybody just last week was talking about who has qualified, who has gone through, and what they're looking forward to. UEFA Champions League now just seems to be something of the past. Because the UEFA Super League seems to be right in the forefront of things. Uh, They're talking about it, saying that it's going to be running with uh, two groups of 10 teams. Now, the league has drawn very, very sharp criticism from world governing body FIFA as well as some of the leaders around the world. And when I say leaders, I'm even talking about politicians here because the UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson himself, as well as the French President Emmanuel Macron, have made it very clear that they do not approve of this. And saying that it has a potential of collapsing European football as we know it. Now, the likes of Real Madrid, Barcelona, Manchester United, Manchester City, Liverpool have all signed up, and it seems that they are ready to go against their own mother body. So what on earth, ladies and gentlemen, is this Super League? What is this thing? Who conceptualized it? And you and I will find out today. We'll try and squeeze whatever little lemon there is to squeeze out of it, whether it's bitter, sweet. And before we get to our guests... Let's quickly just lay the foundations. And when I say lay the foundations, I'll tell you exactly who's been reacting. But let's let's listen to this audio of what kind of reaction has come through from top leaders around the world. We're going to look at everything that uh, we can do uh, with the, the football authorities to, to make sure that uh, this doesn't go ahead in the way that it's uh, currently being proposed. I don't think that it is good news for... For fans, I don't think it's good news for uh, for football in this country. And look, don't, don't forget, these these clubs are not just great global brands. Of course, they're great uh, global brands. They're also uh, clubs that have originated historically uh, from their towns, from their cities, from their local communities. They should have a link uh, with those fans and uh, where, and and with the fan base in those uh, in those communities. So it is very very important uh, that that continues uh, to be the. Sports, including football, is part of the fabric of society. The Commission defends a European model of sports, which is unique in several ways. The main principles of this model are the principle of autonomy, of openness, of solidarity, and the interdependence of uh, the international federations. Good governance based on clearly defined, transparent, Non-discriminatory rules is a condition for the autonomy and the self-regulation of sport organizations. These traditions of how people engage with sport at all levels need to be maintained as they are part of the European DNA. We invite all parties to take into account these principles when assessing the potential impact of such a proposal. And uh, I would like to mention as well that disputes which are related to the governance of sport can usually be best uh, resolved during arbitration bodies and also through the national courts.
sports and competitions should be organized in a way to, um, to allow openness um, of participants, of clubs participating, um, that we should have this, uh, this solidarity from the top to the bottom um, so that um, everybody gets a chance, basically, to, uh, to take part. Now, you can draw your own conclusions on what this means. Obviously, from a, a legal point of view, uh, it, is a different, uh, it is a different matter. Um, and there, uh, the principles of competition law um, are the ones which we would have to look at uh, when assessing uh, the project, if it ever came, uh, if it ever came to that, absolutely worry me. But uh, I must say that the message from the Premier League was a very clear one, and 100% agree what they say to, about this. this. Is for me absolutely unacceptable what uh, is going here behind the scenes, and I think nobody wants it. Not even the fans of the clubs who want to go there want it. So. Um, uh, Hopefully, we will find the right steps to not let it happen. To be fair, Ian, I've got no interest in talking about it, to be honest. One, my focus is purely with Leicester. And I don't want you to kill my joy uh, by taking me down a road that uh, is maybe a negative. This is an evening where I'm very proud of the team, very proud of the supporters. I'll get more information on, uh, on what you're talking about. And then maybe later on in the week, I can talk clearer on it and give you give you a better opinion i think it is it is more despicable it is more of a greedy power grab than we ever expected and they they, they claim that they do it in the interest of football they claim that they do it in the, in the interest of everyone they even claim that this is a response to the uh, to the challenge in the, the challenges of the pandemic what would they, they 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 only really do is is uh, endanger the the economic model of football and put uh, every single club in Europe in danger. Yeah, I think there are a lot of of comments, a lot of uh, arguments, and a lot of opinions out there, and I absolutely don't want to get involved to it because I simply don't know the details. I I know, I know the situation, the general situation. Uh, since yesterday, like I said, but uh, I have to play my role. I, I trust my club. I haven't seen the players yet. Uh, we train today a bit later because we have a late game tomorrow. If I had a clear opinion right now, I would not, I would not mention it, but it's, it's too early, I think, to, to judge it. And, and there are way too many, too many opinions out there. And if I had one, I mean, let's be honest, I'm an employee of this club and I trust this club. And uh, my job is very clear, so I'm maybe not the right person to ask this. I'm, I'm, I can understand that you're curious. I can understand that uh, there are many and uh, very emotional reactions out there, which I can also understand. But I honestly don't know enough to judge it. I don't know the details. I was not clearly, obviously not involved. My players were not involved in, in these decision makings. So... We have the maybe the possibility, maybe it's a good thing to, to, to step back and to don't give our opinions and to don't lose our head about this because this is uh, clearly a thing between the clubs and we have to make sure that we, that we fight for the, for the goals that we still have in this season, which is uh, my job to do and, and the players' job to, to fulfill in the next days. Here inside, like uh, it's for the players, like, like for me, we, we trust the club, we are employees of the club. I think it's, uh, it's the best if we do not get involved in sports politics and in these, in all these situations. This is our, above our heads, clearly. 
And this is not the role that we have to fulfill to, to make this club successful. Everything that we could do is now to, to be focused, uh, which, is, which is hard enough. All right, the voice of the Chelsea manager, Thomas Tuchel, uh, just, uh, you know, saying his say with regards to the Super League. Uh, Ronan Evane, the executive director of Football Supporters in Europe, uh, we're going to be chatting to him in just a second. Uh, he was one of the voices there. Brendan Rodgers, uh, the Leicester City manager, also from Southampton, their manager there, Ralph Alcinuti, uh Eric Mamme, the EU Commission, uh, the chief spokesperson, not forgetting Sonia uh, Gospodinova, uh, European Commission spokesperson, as well as the British Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, all of them adding their weight as far as their reaction and response is concerned. But the executive director of a pan-European supporters network has also condemned uh, the plans for a breakaway Super League made up of some of the biggest club sides on the continent. And he joins me on the line now, live from France. Uh, uh, that's Ronan Evane, executive director of football supporters in Europe. Ronan, thanks so much for your time. A very busy 24 hours it's been. Uh, we do appreciate it. What's been the overall reaction to where we are now uh thank you thanks for uh, having us um the overall re- re- reaction has been has been extremely extremely negative um the, the, this is a natural conclusion of of a, of a process that's been in the making for 15 or 20 years and that's that that has been spinning up in the last few few days or weeks due to the uh, due to the pandemic uh but nevertheless it it comes it comes as a shock it comes as a surprise it we are we are entering in uh, uncharted territory and um and the reactions from fans both those that are, that support the clubs that are breaking away but also from the rest of the uh, of the european football fans community the the, the reaction is overwhelmingly overwhelmingly sorry negative i can't think of anyone that welcomes this 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 move I noticed earlier, again, Ronan, where you described the move as being despicable. Uh, You described it as a greedy power grab that could leave dozens of clubs in Europe facing a financial meltdown. But it looks like it is a reality. Why do you say it's despicable and a power grab? Is it all about the money? Is there nothing further than that? Yeah, it's about the money. It's about uh, this is pure crisis profiteering as well. Uh, Those clubs, some of those clubs are in, 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 in... in a terrible financial situation with, with enormous debt, most of them have lost money over the last season, and they are now at a time when when football is at the, the European football economy is at its lowest, when fans are not in the stadium, they're using this opportunity to push um, a close league that will only benefit uh, the clubs that are participating to it, only benefits to the owners and to the uh, to the uh, to the expense of the of the rest of European football. What we are Worried about, on top of you know this, this the, the, our competitions being completely changed by this, is that uh, there will be this there will, there will be catastrophic consequences for the economy of European football. A lot. The idea from 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 the promoters of this project is to attract as much as much money as much TV rights as possible, and there is not a magical reserves of uh, of money somewhere uh, in in uh, the world of uh, European football or world football. So. The idea is to attract the TV, TV money, TV deals uh, that are currently with, with the Champions League or with the domestic competition. So in the end, that will endanger the whole ecosystem. And our clubs are extremely fragile at the moment uh, due to the pandemic. And I think if they succeed, which is still a question, 
they will they will seriously endanger the whole the whole financial ecosystem. I mean, the word greed keeps coming up, Ronan, ever so often. And when I thought about mm-hmm. it and I looked at the teams that are involved as far as this breakaway is concerned, if I had to independently think about it, I would say it makes sense because they have been a lot of foreign investment that has been made within European football, especially within the uh, the EPL. I mean, they've come through. Uh, they've, you know, whether it was a Chelsea takeover by Ronan uh, Abramovich, a man, you know, worth 14.9 billion US dollars, uh, whether it was Liverpool, uh, John Henry, Tom Werner, 1.8 billion US dollars, whether it was uh, Man City with Mansour bin Zayed, um, Man United with the Glazer family. I can go on. You know which direction. Direction I'm taking, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah, they have they have almost brought this level of competitiveness uh, into the EPL. They've been able to bring the best of the players from the world into the league to maintain its visibility and high standards. And they almost feel that you know what? Right now, though, we calling the shots, we making it competitive. How about we do it our way? Is that not their way of looking at it? If I had to again adopt a devil's advocate approach. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, of course, that's the way they sing it, and they want to have full control on the competition, on the rules, on the way the money is distributed, and in the end, take as much risk as less risk as possible. But uh, this is this is this is against everything that, that that football is based on. It's based on on sporting merit, on uncertainty, on some sort of a level playing field, and that's everything they're they're fighting against. So this goes against the very principle of our games. This goes against what made our game popular, and these goes against the very communities that support uh, the clubs. So this is this is a historical uh, earthquake change. This is a complete, complete change of paradigm. And what we see, uh, what those clubs are pushing for, is a completely unregulated football. They, they, they refuse any form of regulation. But this regulation is at the is at the basis of the pyramidal model, at the, at the European model of sport, you know, that that uh, the top-level football has somehow to contribute to grassroots football, to the development of the game, to the reduction of uh, inequalities between various regions and various countries within the UEFA region. And, and this is all going away if, if the game is fully privatized. And I think... I th- Think, of course, they see it. The promoters of this, they see it as, as an entertainment business. But this is not what it is. Or this is not only what it is. You know, there, there are communities, there are people. There's a culture behind it, and that, and they are, they are, yeah, again, throwing away all of this. And from a purely business perspective, I am not sure that ultimately this is the smartest decision because those games won't. I mean, there's no demand for more European games. This is this is clear, at least from the fans, the match-going fans in Europe. So who is going to watch these games? This is a big question mark. But on top of this, the promoters of this vision, they are they are obsessed with a fan of tomorrow, a fan of tomorrow which is either in Northern America or in Southeast Asia, so outside of Europe, or that is a young fan who apparently you know doesn't can't stay uh, sitting sitting in the stadium and watch a game for 90 minutes. It's it's strange that they are shaping everything on the basis of those two markets, because in the end. They will antagonize the fans, the local fans in, in the in, in, in the hometown, the ones that, you know, they are at the basis of the business model of football. They are the ones that create all the life around the game, the culture and, 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 and this community. And it's part of what people want when they watch football. If you are a fan 
let's say if you're a Liverpool fan, if you identify as a Liverpool fan in South Africa, which I'm sure some people do. Plenty, including the person you're chatting to. Okay, that's that's purely out of chance, but you see, I'm sure (laughs) it's not only about, I'm sure it's not only about what's happening on the pitch, not only about the brand, not only about the color. It's because, you know, this is a, a working class club with a huge history, with a connection to the community. And if it's, all this is gone and the clubs don't just become brands, then what's left to be, to, be, to, be, to be sold to new audiences? So that's what makes football particular, what makes it different from the other sports. Because you've, you've got your finger on the pulse of, of everything that happens, especially around uh, the fans, Ronan. And that is why it was so important to get you on the line, uh, because your group, I mean, your group represents fans from 48 countries. And that, for me, mm-hmm. is massive. That, for me, says a great deal, because there is a lot of sway. But at the same time, there is something called coronavirus, COVID-19, yeah. there's restrictions. So the fans can't do what fans would have been able to do with the immediate effect, which is maybe voice their uh, disapproval by not going to the games, because right now nobody goes to the games anyway, so you can't really do anything with regard. Do you think that they would have looked at that and said, rather now? I mean, Manchester City, they're still in the UEFA Champions League. Pep Guardiola Mm -hmm. has been struggling to go past the quarterfinals of the Champions League, and here he is in the semis, but he has Man City saying, yes, we're going to be going for this uh, breakaway league. What does that say overall about the opportunity that they've taken, knowing that there are no fans, um, exploiting mm-hmm. the fact that August is around the corner and they are keen as hell, Ronan, to start in August? Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, we, we uh, us in Europe, but like any any other football fan in the world, we, we've lost uh, our main mean of expression, which is which is chanting, which is you know drawing banners um protesting around the football game so it's 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 difficult for football fans to make themselves heard at the moment it's definitely a plus for this project it's most certainly a plus and the same way that they announced their project in the dark of night at 12:30 central european time um on the sunday night this is this doesn't say we want everybody to on board this says you know we are we're hiding in a corner and we are we are we are doing things doing things um, our way. So, yeah, we are we are being depossessed from this, and I think it's mm. it's it's difficult for the fans of the clubs because of the clubs involved because just like you and me, they have discovered this last night, um, and that they have been completely left out of the, of all of this. And now we have promoters of this of this project who claim to be representing the interest and even the desires of billions of fans. Well, so far, that uh, we failed to see that happening. Cool. And, and, and what about, um, Ronan, what, what, what I just heard a short while ago from the UEFA president, uh, Alexandre Cheferin was talking about uh, saying that the players who are going to be playing um, in the teams uh, that might play uh, in this closed league, as they call it, will be banned uh, from the World mm-hmm. Cup, as we know it, and also from uh, mm-hmm. participating in the Euros. I mean, that's a very strong statement from people who obviously still run football, as we know it, around the world and in Europe. Yeah. the uh, It's a difficult topic, because obviously we're calling for sanctions, because the clubs that want to dynamite European football, they have to be held accountable. You know, we can't just continue as nothing has happened. But obviously, um, players must be protected as well. 
and they are at risk with this project because we're talking about much more unregulated football, so players are at risk. And they have rights, and they, they have the right to defend themselves. So I'm not sure that uh, putting the players in the middle of this fight is the, is, the, is the best option. So I think at the moment everybody's sort of pushing its arguments, um, and the dust will settle in the next few days, and we will see what, what's, what's really, really the, um, the response. But, um, of course, the players have a role to play if they think this is wrong, and we've heard a few players already saying so. But um, uh, it's the, the unions, FIFPRO, they're, they're playing their role when they're saying that players shouldn't be held hostages in this, uh, in this conflict. Just quickly, I've got all of 90 seconds, Ronan, but um, it, it, it came across as a lack of trust. Now, when I heard Alexander Cheferin talk about, uh, you know, um, Ed Woodward, as well as the UVA chief, uh, Agnelli saying that they both lied to his face, uh, because my understanding is that Ed Woodward had a conversation with the president of uh, UEFA uh, that was last week, Thursday, um, and he was very satisfied uh, saying that he was supportive of the reforms that, uh, uh, you know, what was going to be happening as far as UEFA is concerned. And all of a sudden, there's a massive about turn from both of these gentlemen, and he has publicly called them out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, traditionally, um, world football is, is governed by, by consensus and by, by agreements, and, and, and somehow through trust, for the better and the worse, because uh, a, lot, a lot of... A lot of the the, the scenes of uh, world football, the lack of transparency and the corruption has to do with this culture as well. But nevertheless, normally, I mean, we've never seen such a such a standoff between between various stakeholders in in football. So that this is new, and that shows that uh, in a world where financial interests are superseding uh, the greater interest of the game. Uh, the, the, this culture must evolve, and we we need a strong regulator. And in Europe, this regulator must be UEFA. So, yes, the, yes, the, the the big clubs have a lot of power. They have a lot of financial power and and a lot of influence. But there needs to be a counter a counterpower for this. And the, this counterpower must be UEFA. It must be the national football associations, because they don't only represent the interest of the big club. They represent they represent the interest of the whole uh, football pyramid. Mm-hmm. So we we see UFI stepping up, and his response is really strong, and that's positive. But uh, they need to do more. That's their responsibility. Oh. All right, I'll see us chatting again in the near future, Ronan. Thank you so so very much indeed for chatting to us right here in South Africa on Mara Sports Worldwide. Thank you very much. That's the executive director of football supporters in Europe. Uh, that's Ronan Evain giving us a perspective, maybe opening up our eyes uh, from directly how this affects the fans and what is their overall standpoint. This is not the end. We continue after this. Hashtag MSW.
Good evening, Rob, your team and my fellow listeners. I think your guest uh, has summed it up. For me, I think it's uh, the businessmen of football owners who are greedy and looking to benefit financially rather than the well-being of the players, the coaches, and us as supporters. So, yeah. And I like the fact that you have also summed up with the owners of those specific teams. Uh, I don't know. People are becoming greedy. Let's see which was and direct from Pretoria. I also don't support it. Even in the rope, Donald here from one uh, Okay, I hear the criticism of Super League, which is fine to an extent. But what I don't understand is why would player be sanctioned? Player don't have to be sanctioned for something that is of is not even of their own making. No player decided to form a, a Super League. Why would you want to take sanction to, to the extent of players? People who are contracted by the clubs to perform for those clubs. Not decision makers in this regard. I think that is a bit unfair. Thank you, Donald from Wampatele. All right, Donald, thank you so much indeed. Keep those voice notes uh, coming through right throughout the entire evening. It is a Monday today. It's Reaction Monday. So much uh, to react to. We move from France now, and we head across to London, and that's where we find uh, the New York Times journalist, uh, that is uh, Tariq Panja. Uh, Tariq, thank you so much for your time. People frustrated in South Africa. I can only imagine that in that part of the world, it would be more so. Where are we? What is the latest? What can you tell our listeners here in South Africa? Well, since the um, well, first of all, nice to be with you again, Robert. It's it's been uh, it's been some time. I hope I hope you're doing well and your listeners are doing well. Um, since the news emerged last night, um, I guess all hell has broken loose. There's been a cacophony of comment from all sections. Boris Johnson and Emmanuel Macron, for for starters, there have been um, uh, comments from various football associations, the European Commission, and today the. Um, UEFA president, uh, Alexander Seferin, held a press conference, his first public comment since, um, since the uh, news emerged. And he didn't hold back. He called the people behind this project snakes and liars, driven by greediness, selfishness and narcissism. He said he'll do everything in his power to, make, uh, to stop this happening. Can he? Does he have the power to stop this from happening? Because, uh, Derek, what you and I know and what the world knows is that they're dead as hell keen on starting in August. Yeah, they may well be. Um, and they are very deep-pocketed, if you can think of the, the owners. They've got the backing of J.P. Morgan, the American bank, providing a, um, a €4 billion Euro bridging loan to, to, to get this thing off the ground. Essentially, that money is is the um, golden handshake, as it were, about 450 million euros per team. The numbers are talking telephone numbers, aren't they? Or the huge numbers here. Oh. So that, that shows the determination. And, and I also saw um, uh, a letter that these clubs had sent to um, the FIFA president Gianni Infantino and um, Alexander Seferin, the US president, telling them that they have already started legal action, filed motions in courts um, around Europe to ensure they get their way. But um, from, from we hear from UEFA and from, from national governments, etc., they will not take this lying down. The British Culture Secretary today um, said he, 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 that the government there will do everything in its power to stop this from going forward. Will we see greater unity in terms of what Gianni Infantino has to say and what Alexandra Cheferin has to say as the UEFA president this time around? 
sorry, sorry, can you repeat that, Robert? Not a problem. I'm just saying that are we going to find a bit more uniformity and a, a bit more speaking along the same lines between uh, the two presidents, uh, that of FIFA and that of UEFA? Uh, that's a really good question. Uh, wait 24 hours and we will know. It's the UEFA Congress tomorrow. Gianni Infantino, according to Alexander Seferin, has said he will um, use very strong words uh, to, to slam this project. Um, and that would be very different to the kind of mealy mouth statement that FIFA issued late last night after this. They asked people to be more conciliatory um, uh, about this project. They asked them to start talking with each other and in Jan- separate to in January when they said they would ban um, individuals and entities involved in such a thing. They, 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 they didn't say that this time. Um, and that raised speculation that perhaps Gianni Infantino might be secretly supporting this. You know, you're sitting there in South Africa. You have mm. a new FIFA president from your um, from your CAF uh, president, yeah. Uh, sorry, CAF president from from South Africa, and uh, you, you have a, a Gianni Infantino-backed um, African Super League on the cards. Um, yeah. Why not a European Super League? That's also backed by Gianni Infantino. Some people are asking. Um, of course, FIFA for years previous to Gianni Infantino has been jealous of um, uh, the, the fact European. Uh, soccer, UEFA controls club soccer. It doesn't really have a, a big role in that. It's something that he, he has coveted since he took office in 2016. Uh, so there is a lot of speculation. So, so let's, let's see what words he uses tomorrow. And then perhaps we can get a better picture of all the um, powers are aligned in terms of opposing this. And I'm glad, um, Tariq, that you've mentioned that, uh, because for me it was it was quite glaring yesterday when the announcement came through, uh, because one quickly jogs one's mind and memory and says, but the very same FIFA president, uh, Gian Infantino, has been the one who's been championing for the Super League in Africa to happen, um, saying that those clubs that would be chosen uh, to be part of the Super League on the African continent, um, it will be an investment of over 20 million U.S. dollars. So if he is keen to have it on the African continent and he's the one championing it, and then mm-hmm. there's all of a sudden one in, in Europe, why would he be against that? Exactly. And, and you, also have to, you also have to look at this um, sort of spool out a little bit further. Gianni Infantino, um, upon taking office, he's actually got this pass now, uh, designed and devised the 2014 Club World Cup that was supposed to take part in uh, place in China, inaugural one in China this year, but for the pandemic it would have. Mm. So he wanted, his vision, I believe, is a worldwide league system that feeds into a Club World Cup where teams from around the world can compete with these European teams uh, for, for preeminence at this tournament, which he believes is worth billions and will be a huge success. So maybe Africa was the canary in the coal mine and there'll be others to come. And just lay it down because, you know, the numbers, you talked about them being telephone numbers, and I fully agree with you. Uh, you know, it's, it's a sickening amount of money that will be uh, going from one to the other. But earlier today... And I do urge a lot of people to follow you on Twitter because of the sterling work that the likes of yourself, uh, Rob, and everybody else that is a friend of Marawa Sports Worldwide uh, have been reporting on this. So that's uh, Tariq Panja. That's uh, T A R I Q P A N G J A. Sorry, um, that is on Twitter. So just follow him because all the latest updates you'll get from this man is on top of things every second. Was about the Glazers, uh, Tariq, and just how 
they become wealthier today as uh, as of compared to a couple of hours ago even yesterday after this yeah. announcement just give us that business perspective so that people can get an understanding of how huge this is yeah and in a way i think you've you've, you've asked a really good question there manchester united liverpool all of these teams have existed long before their current owners um, took control. However, what is the motivation of these, this breed of owner? They're, they're American um, corporate raiders as far as the Glazers are concerned. They, they um, completed a leverage buyout, putting hardly any of their own money into Manchester United. And, and uh, this asset is now worth about two, two to three billion pounds. Um, once this league takes place, you can increase that by at least a third. The valuation of all of these clubs that are going to be playing in this Super League, should it um, take off in earnest, will be far higher than they are now. They will also guarantee that they're going to be profitable year in, year out, something that isn't the case at the moment. Now, this is the motivation. They want reliable returns, profits, and valuations that put them on par with the big American um, National Football League teams, American football teams. They believe with this, they can. This is not a footballing project. You may be being sold, wouldn't it be nice to see Real Madrid v Liverpool every week? But that is not the underlying um, uh, reason behind it. Maybe it will be a bonus if these games are, are, are positive and interesting, but that is not the underlying reason. It is about money, and it's about money for this group of owners. Oh, you couldn't be more blunt. You really couldn't have been more blunt than that, Tariq. Because, again, and, and some things don't just happen because it's a, it's a coincidence. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, I picked up that somebody like um, an Ed Woodward uh, is somebody that worked previously for J.P. Morgan, and he lands himself the cushy job at Manchester United. Uh, the dealings with the Americans happen. And guess what? Who's the main backer of this? Somebody that you've mentioned, J.P. Morgan. So it's a small mm-hmm. world, but the, the, the deals within the small world are, are massive. Absolutely. Edward Woods is a fascinating little character as well. If you, if you look at how he's done as the sort of chief executive of Manchester United, um, after David Gill and Alex Ferguson's departure, you'd say it's been, a, it's been an absolute failure. Manchester United are a shadow of the team they were when they last won the league title, and Sir Alex resigned. Several managers have come through. There's been, there's been millions of pounds that have been spent on players, far more than actually Sir Alex Ferguson used to spend, if you were to think about it, but the success hasn't been there. And you wonder why the Glazers are so loyal to this guy, and uh, the answer to it is in the first part of, of what we discussed about Manchester United. Ed Woodward was a banker at J.P. Morgan. He helped them take control of, of, of this uh, British institution for a song. Um, as I said, they, they borrowed most of the money uh, from, from the banks, hardly put a penny in. They've already made the money uh, that they put in back. They've already profited, and they control um, an asset worth um, two billion, three billion pounds now. Um, they owe Ed Woodward a great debt. So, however, whatever his failings will be on the field, he's done a great job for these people. It might, might as well be counted as one of the, the deals of the century as far as us concerned, how well um, owning Manchester United has gone for the Glazer family. That is incredible because here you've got a, a completely different view 
um, was it Gary Neville that I heard um, saying what he was saying. And you, you get a sense that, yes, from a footballing sense, he has every right to feel the way that it does. And then I listen to Tariq Panja now giving a business perspective. And then you say, okay, from a Manchester United view, that makes perfect business sense. Because if you're already clocking three billion pounds in the profit seats, then you're winning as a businessman. Yes, you're not winning on the field of play, but you're winning as a businessman. Then that is the fine line that they have to thread right now. Is it for the history, the interests of football, or is it for the projections business-wise moving forward? I think that is pretty much where we are. Yeah, uh, but again, it's, it is a bit of a, a departure into the unknown as well. These, these guys are convinced that there's going to be huge audiences for, for these games. And I guess um, the proof of the pudding will be in the eating. Um, and also, what, what they're risking is the, the kind of fundaments of, 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 of football, the, the pyramid structure. Um, so it's not only these guys that are going to do well. It's what's the corollary effect. Um, and there's going to be a massive negative effect. There's going to be a downgrading of the Premier League competition, for example. Even if these teams stay, by the way, there's some talk about them being thrown out because of this um, mm. this, this duplicitous um, uh, work or action they've taken. But even if they stay, the value of the Premier League is severely diminished. For example, what is interesting now in the Premier League, as we sit here today on, on, on Tuesday, um, it is the race for the top four. It's the only interesting part of the Premier League season really left. Relegation places, yeah, maybe there's some, some doubt about who's going to go down, but not much. Manchester City are sort of cakewalking to the, to the league title. But the interesting thing here is West Ham could take a place in the Champions League. How interesting would that be? Leicester are mm. up there and this Liverpool of some. If this thing happens, none of that is material. There is no race for fourth. And you, 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 you can um, uh, extrapolate that across all the other major European leagues. Um, equally, the amount of money they're going to get these teams, they're going to, they've, they've already pulled the drawbridge up um, from, from, uh, compared to most of the other teams in, in their league. And now, now you're going to hand them this, this enormous amount of money. Of course they're going to have the best players. It's going to be, it's going to be extremely boring. Who's going to show these games? I've got all of 60 seconds left, uh, uh, Tariq. You said they, they are talking to us and saying that these games are going to generate a lot of interest and a lot of eyeballs. Where are the eyeballs going to be? Who's going to be buying these rights? Yeah, well, it's a really good question. So far, we've had little detail. There have been rumors about various um, streaming platforms, the biggest internet players. You know, you're talking um, those that are based in the West Coast of America. Um, there, there's, there's talks of, of that. Um, I know some, some companies have signed um, non-disclosure agreements to get into those talks. So I guess it's, again, one of those things. They're very confident. Uh, watch this space. They think they'll probably get a, a, great, a great broadcaster. Tariq, I think we are into very, very interesting times, my colleague. And uh, we're going to be watching your timeline very, very closely into the night because... I think if I, I blink, I might miss something uh, as well. But keep up the great coverage. Really, I've been enjoying that since last night. Thanks, Robert. Nice to be with you again. Take care. Certainly. Thanks so much. That's the New York Times journalist uh, coming through live from London, uh, Tariq Panja. Uh, as I said, do follow him. You will not go wrong there because every bit of detail, uh, he has got it covered. And I think uh, what's going to be happening in the next uh, 24 hours as well, uh, when we start to hear word uh, coming through from 
FIFA itself, uh, then we'll get a sense of the direction. Well, a man who pretty much had no direction last week when his club was, you know, soundly beaten, uh, but would have been uh, sharing a laugh or two over this weekend when the club that beat his club got beaten. Mudubi Makhaliman. So since breakaway league, yes. Um what will happen to the club World Cup? Because uh Namatimala Africa Bandaranyika Robert, how are you? It's Raymond from Sekunda, man. Listen, FIFA claims that uh, soccer is for everyone and not for and should not be only be accessible to to the elite. But if that's the case, then why are African countries only have limited spots when it comes to the World Cup? We'll probably die without seeing an African country hosting a World Cup anytime in in our lives. The Premier League. In their history, they've never had a, a manager who's black. And also, there is limited access or recognition of African players in the Premier League. Yet they claim that soccer should be available to anyone, regardless of class or, 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 or race. Today, they want to claim the same thing. They want to claim the same thing that they are guilty of, or they want to things to be unfair whenever it suits them. PSG. It has been dominating the French uh, league for years because of their, their, their financial muscle. Yeah, Rob, Direlang here in Pretoria, Um Well, this project seems, uh, well, a bit exciting, but uh, as well, thinking about the ramifications of what's going to happen to the Champions League and the Europa League and so on and so forth seems a bit greedy from the owners you know these are 100 year institutions uh, Champions League the Europa League that have been doing well for European football setting it apart from you know other um, leagues in the world and well but with the kind of financial backing that they're going to have and with the kind of financial backing that the clubs have it seems like it's going to be um, unstoppable. I don't think anyone's going to be able to stop them. All right, let's uh, quickly remind you that the numbers to dial 89 Let's take calls, right? Let's take more voice notes. Let's also thank Modupi Mahalimela with the news at the top of the hour. I know there's a lot to react, and we're going to get to how TTM navigated their way into the final. We'll, we'll give you that opportunity, trust me. Uh, let's let's ventilate a little bit about what has gone on. Because this is bound to change football as you and I know it. And what does it mean? Is there a valid claim to what they're trying to do? Yeah, they say it's greed. Who says it's greed? What does FIFA actually say? So if the ones who are going to be playing are to be banned from taking part in, let's say, the Euros, uh, can they give the same instruction about the World Cup? If FIFA say, hey, 
This is a good idea. And what happens to UEFA? You know, so it, it is going to be very, very important to get that official line from Gianni Infantino. Because, really, for me, that's going to set everything apart. They could not have gone into this much detail um, if they were just talking about pie in the sky. I see uh, Henry Winter tweeting and saying that the Leeds United, uh, that the Leeds United fans or something, uh, have been flocking out. You know, talking about the big six, it's all been happening. What does this actually signify? Hey, they're saying there are fans that are outside Ellen Road right now. They're protesting about the Super League. Uh, they're honking their horns in support. Uh, they're saying love for the working class game ruined by greed and corruption. Rest in peace, Leeds Football Club. Thanks for the memories. Is this where it's going to begin and end? Is this the end of an era? You tell me. You've been following football. You love this game. I remember there was even one local football leader who once touted to me that they would love to do something similar here in South Africa. They wanted to follow the model that happens in America. I don't want to mention the person's name. It was never gave me the permission to mention his name. But he said, yeah, that's what they want to do. About 12-team league, nobody gets relegated or promoted. They just play, they get their sponsors, they get TV rights, and life is beautiful. But let's listen to what Alexandre Chaparin, the UEFA president, has had to say. I cannot stress more strongly at this moment UEFA and the footballing world stand united against the disgraceful, self-serving proposals we have seen in the last 24 hours from a select few clubs in Europe that are fueled purely by greed above all else. Our game has become the greatest sport in the world based on open competition, integrity and sporting merit. And we cannot allow and we will not allow that to change. Never. Ever. As previously announced by FIFA and the six confederations, the players who will play in the teams that uh, might uh, play in, uh, in, a, in the closed league will be banned on playing the World Cup and Euro. So they will not be able to represent their national teams at any matches. So we urge everyone, from the millions of football lovers around the world, the world's media gathered in this call today, politicians and football's governing bodies, to stand tall with us as we do everything in our power to ensure it, this never ends up in fruition. Okay. That's the big boss in charge of UEFA. He said his say. Uh, he was calling them snakes. And you know, when you're at that level of leadership and you call other human beings snakes, I, then you're already in a different world. And I think that's exactly what that different world is. And I repeat, people here in South Africa have wanted to do this. I don't even know if they still want to do this. Somebody on Twitter said it reminds them of how 
you know, the if you remember way back, there was something called the Spectacular. It was Iwisa Spectacular, then it became Telcom Charity Spectacular. And then that was taken over by a two-team uh, beer cup. And 26 years of history was gone. And, you know, there was a voting system and so on and so on. I don't want to go into that, but um, that's what is said. And I was following Simon Evans on Twitter. And this is going to be very interesting, ladies and gentlemen. He says, UEFA's Danish ex-co member, Jesper Moller, says that he expects Chelsea, Real Madrid, and Manchester City to be kicked out of the Champions League semifinals this week. And I quote, the clubs must go, and I expect that to happen on Friday. Then we have to find out how to finish this season's Champions League tournament. That's just something that is brewed up a short while ago. I remember mentioning it to one of our guests earlier on to say, there's Pep Guardiola. He's through. He's been wanting the semifinal spot at Man City. He's got it. But now come Friday, the leaders are saying they could be gone. And of course, is in Maritzburg talking about the Super League. Good evening. What's your reaction? Ah, it, 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 it's a very, very tricky, very sad. Um, one thing for sure, it created definitely. It created the truth. they created. Um, they know they've got numbers. Um, they're, they're huge. They've got supporters. Um, so they, they know for a fact that they could actually pull this off. So it, it's actually very unfortunate as well because for them to be where they are, they were made by our supporters. Some of them are not rich, uh, but because of food and they supported them to be where they are. So, who's a team that you know for a fact that it cannot sympathize with others? So, it's it only interested in many. For me, it, it's very sad and very unfortunate. However, with that said, uh, I don't actually see anything illegal or corrupt about it. I mean, you've got a product to own. That's, that's their product. It's like PSL, you've got cheese pirates. They own this team. It's theirs. This is the business model they want to go for. As greedy as it may seem, I, I don't necessarily think there's anything illegal about it. You can't even take them to court. You can't even, so there's nothing really wrong about it except them being greedy. But greedy definitely. Uh, it's very sad model. I don't like it. I hope it doesn't succeed. I'm, I'm not mm. sure how they're going to stop it, but I just hope it doesn't succeed. Anyway, uh, thanks for the control, man. Thank no, you. no, I appreciate you. Thank you, Gostanti and Marinsberg, uh, talking about the Super League there. Let's uh, check out Enanda, uh, also chatting about the same topic. Usbusiso's there. Good evening, Sbu. Yeah, I'm John. Sir, welcome to the show. Uh, no, yeah, we're wrong. I also wanted to comment about the Super League. It's interesting time, though, because... Yeah, uh, to look at the developments in the European uh, football, because away from this, there's also another structure the leaders of these teams have broken away from. The Football Managers Association as well. Mm. Isn't it that they also broke away from those structures? In Manchester started and the others followed suit because they really want to champion their cause of having the Super League. But you know, my question is, if you can't beat a team with Europa League, 
how are you a super team? Because we saw Tottenham couldn't do, couldn't do it. They they beat them the first leg, second leg they were outplayed and outsmarted. So are you really a super team, or are you a super team because of revenue? Well, that's exactly it. You've answered your question. They're a super team because of the revenue, and hence I said earlier, Swoo, to my guest was that. If you look at what the likes of Roman Abramovich have done, where they brought in the likes of Jose Mourinho. Remember, this was a Jose who was a, a serial winner of titles, who had come back from Porto, come back from Inter. He was winning UEFA Champions League. Chelsea had gone 50 years without winning the league. Who won it for them was Jose Mourinho. Why? Because they could afford him. Who could afford him? Roman Abramovich could afford him. Do you think Manchester City would have Pep Guardiola if they didn't have the backing uh, that they have right now? And people were joking about the semifinals and saying oil, they were saying something along the lines of oil-rich semifinals because it was two teams backed by, you know, the oligarchs of oil. And then you had one, Roman Abramovich, you know, Russian billionaire who was there, uh, squeezed into the mix. And, of course, the man who is spearheading it, the president um, of Real Madrid. So the irony is that all of those that are there are the ones that are spearheading the Super League to say, but we are the ones bringing you the revenue. Now we want to make our own revenue. What are you going to do about that? But that's the thing as well. Like, if you mention that, I think that over the years, the biggest squabble between uh, Chelsea fans and Tottenham fans have always been to say that each Chelsea bought, bought its uh, success, basically. That's why they don't like Chelsea. They say that you bought it, like, well, it's because you had the funds and the money to. So that is why you're able to, able to well, achieve this amount of success. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit of both, Smoo, because I, 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 I love that argument because it lends you to say not every time Frank Lampard was not going to win you much at Chelsea despite the funds that Roman Abramovich was bringing in. And that is why they had to quickly let go of him and bring in somebody like Tuchel. Tuchel's already there in the pound seats in such a short period of time. So... That is, that, that, that is the biggest thing around this acquisition is to say we can bring the best and we will enjoy bringing the best. What are you going to bring? And remember, that's why Real Madrid was always known as the Galacticos because they were bringing the superstars of around the world into Real Madrid. Yeah, but Nakona, Real Madrid, we've loved it because we know that uh, we're going to see it with UEFA Champions League for competing, having real competition. Hence, it was also nice to see Real Madrid going up to see them lose because you're like, oh, they can be beaten. They yeah. dropped their counterparts so much so that you think, ah, these people are unbeatable. And there comes a, a fourth-place team like your, like your uh, Liverpool, like it has been over the years. And then they will come and beat them. And then you're like, oh, this is interesting. But then now if you're going to see that all the time, it takes away from the enjoyment. But at the end of the day, Kubona is all about the money. So when, as a fan, as much as you matter, but to them it's about revenue. Because the numbers that you're speaking about at the beginning of the show, yeah, it's quite big numbers. It's It's really like big numbers. I didn't think football can generate so much (laughs) revenue. I never oh, knew that. It, it, it does, my friend. That, that is why. If you remember 2010 and FIFA came in, 
FIFA took over. It is their project. You might have a little... That's why people are disappointed. People are building homes, thinking, hey, accommodation, FIFA is happening, wars are what, what. That stuff never happened. FIFA own... They tell you what drink to drink at the stadium. They tell you what hot dog to buy at the stadium. They tell you what coffee to drink. That is their gig. Seb Blatter gets driven by a a Hyundai to the stadium. Even if you have your Mercs, your BMs, your whatever, black cars with bulletproof, eh? because he is the man who knows that he brought Hyundai on board. Smooth, I've loved the chat. Thank you so much, my friend. I appreciate you uh, joining us right here on Marawa Sports Worldwide. Donald's in Pretoria. Donald, good evening. Okay, Tabiso in Maritzburg, good evening. Uh, uh, Hello, Rob, and the listeners, eh? first time pulling through. (laughs) (laughs) Good to have your voice, man. Welcome. Uh, Yes, welcome. Uh, I just think this is not a bad idea as everyone makes it to seem, because at the end of the day, if you look at sports, uh, uh, equality doesn't really exist. If you look at La Liga, you always have the top three going through, same Serie A, Bundesliga, Bayern is dominating. So, I mean, why can't we have a rivalry to UEFA and to FIFA? Because, I mean, monopoly, this is business. So we need to tear up these monopolies and, and say the new uh, precedents going forward. Hmm. So you're saying it, it was pretty much the same in any case. It's almost like looking at the Scottish League and saying who was invited from there and what do they bring? Because if it wasn't, you know, if it's not Celtic... Uh, it, 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 it's Rangers. If it's not Rangers, it's Celtic, and it bounces between the two. Yeah, obviously things have happened uh, between those two teams in, in the past. But I, I, I hear you. But you as a football lover, is this something mm. you can look at, entertain, and say potentially yes without getting emotional about it and give it a bash? Uh, yes, I, I, I can look at it like that, Rob. Because let's say, for instance, when you're playing FIFA anyway, no one chooses uh, Newcastle against Burnley. You always choose to play against the big side. So, I mean, the, I mean so making it seem as if you're going against the fans, in all, in all essence, what is the Premier League without the top uh, six clubs? Because uh, most of the viewers are generated by these big teams. And for them, it's like, I have a business. You're all pulling in money. I'm putting in 200 bucks that you're putting in 20 rand. They just don't expect us to, you know, split the money equally. What am I benefiting from that? And then entertainment for me as a fan, I mean, if something is entertaining as this, the big clubs playing each other in a weekly competition as opposed to seeing Real Madrid play against Malta, I'm all for it. So should it go ahead? I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. It should go ahead because, I mean, if it's going to go ahead in Africa, then it should start in Europe. If it damages their brand, then here in Africa, we're not going to go ahead with it. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 a great way of thinking, and that's why it becomes so important, Tabi. So, uh, thank you so much indeed for popping through and giving us your uh, your take on this. And I mean, it's a really incredible reaction Monday today. Um, And we're not we're not trust me. You're going to give TTM their due. Um, I suppose what has really dominated, and 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 given the global appeal, is that we in Africa are just as affected. You know, people buy pay per view TV to watch this European product and yet we still sit here without much of our own continental stuff so when Gianni takes to the microphone and speaks because he wanted an African Super League is he still going to endorse that and then shun the European one or what is he going to say so it's along those lines that we need to get the nitty gritty of what we are talking about here Uzimiso is in Highlands North good evening 
My nerves in Jaganjalo, right at the death, um, as we're about to, you know, head off and listen to uh, the comments there from Zemiso. Uh, but nonetheless, though, uh, as we say, it's an ongoing story. It is not going to end now. It's not going to end tomorrow. Uh, there is Friday, which has been touted as the big, big day uh, where a decision will be made. And remember, if you missed it during the day, Jose Mourinho gone. Adding to the drama of today, no longer coaching Tottenham. You know, maybe one of the things that we we didn't mention, especially around Tottenham, is that they got a brand new stadium. Yes, they brought in somebody who's been previously known to win trophies. And that is why I said earlier that the Jose Mourinho, who was still the serial winner of trophies, went to Chelsea. And I just think somewhere, somehow, I love Jose with all my heart. I've supported him from day one. He brought something fresh and something new into coaching. But I just think somewhere, somehow, something went wrong. And he started having internal battles with himself and with players. And every club, you go to every club that he has coached in recent time, there'll be a player that stands out that he has a fallout with. And that is where the rot begins. And it's unfortunate. So my point was that Tottenham Hotspur can't build a facility of that magnitude. And all they can deliver is potentially, possibly a spot in the Europa League. They can't be doing business in that space anymore. Tottenham Hotspur, they can't. Harry Kane is there. So Harry Kane either stays with Jose and achieves nothing except for an England call-up. Or Tottenham says, okay, Harry, please don't go. We're going to bring you a better manager that's going to win you something, going to bring us glory, and we're going to justify the expense that we had in building this multi billion well, rand um, project that we put out. So there, there, there are many variables, and obviously Jose was not happy about the Super League. I've heard Jurgen Klopp before saying he's also not happy about it. So big, big decisions await the world. In the same way that over the weekend, we await the arrival of Amakela. They are a super league on their own. They are not bots. They are not formed by greed. <laughs> they are formed by the love of the microphone. And that is why we welcome them on a Monday. Ayabong Ankawa, as well as Justice Radio 2000 and Metro FM. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. How are you doing?